Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the General Electric fourth quarter 2023 earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. My name is Liz, and I will be your conference coordinator today. If you experience issues with the webcast slides refreshing or there appears to be delays in the slide advancement, please hit F5 on your keyboard to refresh. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded. I would now like to turn the program over to your host for today's conference, Steve Winnicker, Vice President of Investor Relations. Please proceed. Thanks, Liz. Welcome to GE's fourth quarter 2023 earnings call. I'm joined by Chairman and CEO Larry Culp and CFO Rahul Guy. We're also pleased to have GE Vernova CEO Scott Strazik here to share additional insights on performance and business guidance. Many of the statements we're making are forward-looking and based on our best view of the world and our businesses as we see them today. As described in our SEC filings and website, those elements may change as the world changes. Over to Larry. Steve, thank you, and good morning, everyone. GE made tremendous progress in 2023 with excellent operating results, the successful spin of GE Healthcare, and the ongoing lean transformation of our company. 2024 will be a momentous year as we launch GE Aerospace and GE Vernova in early April. Looking at our results, we more than tripled our earnings and gen generated almost 70% more free cash flow in 2023. GE Aerospace drove double-digit revenue, profit, and cash growth with continued strength in commercial engines and services. GE Vernova delivered meaningfully better results as renewable energy and power together generated positive profit and free cash flow. In the year ahead, we expect both GE Aerospace and GE Vernova to continue on their respective upward trajectories. Let me spend a moment on each. GE Aerospace is an exceptional franchise with our fleet of 44,000 commercial engines and 26,000 rotorcraft and combat engines, plus extensive aftermarket services representing 70% of revenue. We live our purpose each day to invent the future of flight lift people up, and bring them home safely. It's a responsibility we take very seriously, and our teams are focused on safety, quality, delivery, and cost in that order in everything we do to support our customers in the industry. Strategically, today we're executing to meet customer needs for engines and services. Despite the challenged supply chain environment, in the quarter, total engine deliveries were up 11% sequentially, including defense, up over 60%. We, deliver, we delivered 1,570 LEAP engines, representing 38% growth, yet with more to do going forward. As part of our lean transformation, we're developing connected flow using model lines to improve deliveries. By focusing on key constraints, we've reduced lead times, for example, over 40% on our ceramic matrix composite components. And in services, we've improved leap shop visit turnaround times by double digits. Lean is not only helping us with delivery, but more importantly, when it comes to safety and quality. The team in Rutland, Vermont, used lean problem-solving fundamentals to address recurring defects in our GENX low-pressure turbine blades. This improved first-time yield by more than 50%. Lean actions like these within our plants and in partnership with suppliers are driving improvements across GE Aerospace. For tomorrow, we're building our $150 billion plus backlog. At the Dubai Air Show, GE Aerospace, along with our partners, received over 450 engine commitments and several service agreements across both wide bodies and narrow bodies. This included an Emirates order for 202 GE 9X engines and spares and a long-term services agreement to power its upcoming Boeing 777X fleet. And we're keeping our customers' fleets flying with durability and maintenance enhancements, such as our LEAP 1A fuel nozzle cooling system that's on its way to fleet introduction. And for the future, we're investing in R&D and developing next-generation technologies. Recently, NASA selected GE Aerospace for Phase 2 of the Hybrid Thermally Efficient Core Program, which will significantly enhance fuel efficiency and reduce emissions. Improvements will leverage in our RISE program. And the National Defense Authorization Act authorized funding for the Adaptive Engine Transition Program 
and the Next Generation Advanced Propulsion Program, which will help providing, provide cutting-edge future military capabilities. All said, GE Aerospace is accelerating our progress with lean and driving value long-term, all in service of our customers who carry the 3 billion people traveling with our engines underwing each year. Over to GE Vernova, our ambition is to electrify and decarbonize the world. With our technologies helping to generate approximately 30% of the world's electricity, and where services represent 65% of our backlog, our incumbency and scale position us to lead. We've made a lot of progress at Vernova. I'll give you the high-level framing, and Scott's here today with additional color. Power delivered strong growth, profit, and free cash. Grid was profitable for the full year, and onshore delivered another quarter of profitability. Offshore remained challenging, but I really like the way we're using lean, along with better commercial selectivity and underwriting, to improve our outlook. GE Vernova will stand on its own soon. I'm proud of the team's work to strengthen these businesses. And on a more personal note, I met Scott during my very first GE Scott site visit. I have seen his leadership in action as he's led the team in executing the impressive turnaround at Gas Power and now the strong momentum building with our onshore and grid businesses. Importantly, Scott is an ardent student of Lean, and I'm highly confident he, that he is the right person to lead GE Vernova into the future. Turning to slide three, with our stronger, more valuable businesses delivering now, GE Aerospace and GE Vernova are ready to go. We've assembled two extraordinary boards, bringing together domain expertise, diverse perspectives, and leadership experience to help GE Aerospace and GE Vernova rise to their sharper, more focused missions. We've also further simplified and strengthened our balance sheet, fully exiting our aircraft equity stake. Looking ahead, GE Vernova plans to publicly file its Form 10 next month. Then GE Vernova and GE Aerospace will host Investor Days on March 6th and 7th, respectively, in New York City. Both teams are excited to share how we'll create greater value for our customers and shareholders alike. We hope to see many of you there. Now, over to Rahul. Thank you, Larry. Good morning, everyone. Turning to slide four, we'll speak to results on an organic basis. We closed out the year with another solid quarter. Orders were up across all segments driven by services up 24%. Revenue increased 13% with all segments up double digits. Adjusted operating profit was up 20%, supporting margin expansion of 50 basis points, driven by volume and price net of inflation. This was partially offset by negative mix from higher equipment and investments in growth. Adjusted EPS was $1.03, up 56%. Free cash flow was $3 billion from stronger earnings and positive working capital, largely driven by progress collections, including recent sizable orders. This was partially offset by payables, including the actions we have taken to support our suppliers. For the full year, revenue increased 17%. Aerospace and renewables led the way, benefiting from robust demand, better execution, and pricing. Services was up 15%, and equipment up 19%. Profit, EPS, and cash all finished above the high end of our guidance. Adjusted operating profit increased $2.5 billion to $5.7 billion. Adjusted margin expanded by over 300 basis points, driven by aerospace growth, sizable renewables improvement, and price across the three businesses, partially offset by inflation on long lead items and investments in growth. Adjusted EPS increased more than $2, supported by strong profit growth and lower interest from debt reduction. Free cash flow was up over $2 billion to $5.2 billion, driven by significantly better earnings. In 2023, working capital was a $1.6 billion source of cash from progress collections, partially offset by inventory build 
given robust growth and continued supply chain challenges. A moment on corporate. We ended the year with just over $1 billion of cash use and adjusted costs of roughly $460 million. This improved year over year due to lower functional expenses and higher interest income. Overall, it represents significant progress since 2021, when costs were $1.2 billion. We are pleased to, to see digital turn profitable as the team prepares to formally join GE Vernova. Our industry-leading software helps utilities, grid operators, and others address the growing complexity of energy transition. And GE Aerospace and GE Vernova are ready to go. The teams are fully staffed, and corporate headcount, which was close to 5,000 just a few years ago, stands at less than 200 people, who will be with us into second quarter to execute the final spin. This temporary cost in the first half of 2024 is embedded in GE Aerospace's full-year guidance. Stepping back, we are pleased with our performance in 2023. In 2024, on a standalone basis, we expect GE Aerospace and GE Vernova to grow revenue, profit, and cash. We will share more on business guidance shortly. Now turning to GE Aerospace. This quarter, demand remained robust with GE and CFM departures growing high teens year over year. Orders were up 10% with solid services and commercial engine orders. Revenue was up 12% driven by commercial up 15%. Profit was up 8%, benefiting from increased services volume and pricing net of inflation. This was partially offset by unfavorable equipment mix from the expected higher install and lower spare engine deliveries and higher investments. Reported margins were roughly flat year over year and down 70 basis points organically as unfavorable mix and investments offset higher volume and price net of inflation. In commercial, services revenue was up 23% from higher volume, pricing, and heavier work scopes. External spare parts increased with higher leap volume, and internal shop visits were up slightly. Lean is enabling us to create new capacity to meet higher demand and decrease turnaround time and cost. For example, our MRO team in Prestwick, Scotland, used Lean to remove 76 hours of waste from the engine disassembly process, which will help them to go from servicing 3.5 engines a week to five engines a week. Revenue grew 1% with leap deliveries up 22%. As expected, our mix continued to shift towards install engines. In defense, book-to-bill was 1x, underscoring solid demand and the quality of our franchises. Revenue was down 1%, driven by lower services, while equipment grew double digits from higher combat engine deliveries. For the year, revenue was up 22%. Commercial services increased 30%, with external spare parts up significantly and internal shop visits up 10%. Commercial engines grew 21%, with total engine deliveries up 25%, and spare engine ratio consistent with 2022. Defense grew 7%, with book-to-bill of approximately 1.2x for the second consecutive year, and orders were up 9%. Profit was $6.1 billion, increasing over $1 billion, or 25%, from services growth and pricing net of inflation. This was more than offset, this more than offset negative mix from higher leap volume and investments. Margins of 19.2% expanded 90 basis points on a reported basis and 50 basis points on an organic basis. Free cash flow of $5.7 billion increased approximately $800 million with improving earnings and working capital more than offsetting ADNA pressure. Now, I'll hand it to Scott, who'll cover GE Vernova. Thanks, Rahul. It's a pleasure to join you, Larry, and Steve on the last GE earnings call before we launch GE Vernova, a 
purpose-built company that's enabling electrification and decarbonization. We've built a strong, experienced leadership team, and we're excited to welcome Jessica Uhl to our leadership team as president, overseeing technology, innovation, and growth. I'm encouraged by what our team accomplished in 2023 as we deliver meaningfully better results now. Our renewable energy and power businesses combined drove double-digit revenue growth. We're slightly profitable, improving profit over $1 billion, and generated $600 million of cash this year. At Renewable Energy, our operational turnaround produced sizable improvement. In the fourth quarter, orders were just over $5 billion, including the cancellation of a large offshore order that was originally booked in 2Q23. Excluding this cancellation, orders grew over 20%, led by stronger onshore equipment and repower. We also secured a record 2.4 gigawatt order to support Pattern Energy's Sunzia wind project, expected to be the largest wind project in U.S. history. Revenue increased double digits. Grid grew double digits for the fifth consecutive quarter. Offshore more than doubled as we deliver our existing backlog and onshore grew, driven by North America equipment volume. Profit improved over $100 million as onshore and grid more than offset pressure at offshore. Looking at the year, orders were $23 billion, up over 50%, with revenue up 17%. Profit improved roughly $1 billion, driven by price, quality, and productivity in onshore and grid, plus the absence of last year's largely onshore-related charges. Free cash flow was negative $1.5 billion, which improved by over half a billion from better earnings and higher down payments. Looking closer at the businesses, at Grid, price and higher volume enabled full-year profitability following three consecutive quarters of profit. While our backlog more than doubled to over $12 billion, with average margins and backlog increasing approximately five points. Lean is core here. Take our Pennsylvania facility that makes transmission circuit breakers. We increased flow and doubled production capacity, helping reduce product lead times by about 35%. This will speed up delivery to customers at a time when demand is rising. Onshore has been profitable for two consecutive quarters. North America equipment orders increased more than 70%. We've grown our global onshore equipment backlog roughly 40% to nearly $9 billion, and approximately 70% of the backlog is North America. Importantly, margins in our total onshore equipment backlog expanded over 10 points due to continued selectivity and pricing. We're delivering reliable, high-performing fleets with roughly 60% of our proactive enhancement in the field completed with more to come. We streamlined our product lineup, focusing on higher-quality workhorse products, roughly 70% of 2023 volume. And we're still increasing productivity and lowering fixed costs significantly. Offshore wind was challenging, with losses of roughly $1.1 billion in 23. We're executing the existing backlog, improving productivity with lean. We're starting 2024 with an equipment backlog down to roughly $4 billion, which we expect to largely complete over the next two years. Longer term, offshore wind should play a key role in the energy transition. The industry is beginning to reset, and while it does, we'll be highly selective on adding to the backlog. Turning to power, we delivered another strong year led by gas power. Looking at the quarter, orders increased 4% with gas services growing double digits. Equipment orders declined largely as we exit steam new build, partially offset by higher air derivatives. Revenue is up 12% driven by gas. Equipment revenue grew driven by air derivative and heavy duty gas turbines. Services were strong, with higher contractual outages and upgrades. Profit was over $750 million, with low double-digit margins driven by services strength. As expected, margins contracted 
given higher equipment volume. In an individual quarter, additional units may weigh on margins, but this drives long-term growth in higher margin services. And we're always focused on price and productivity to offset inflation. For the year, revenue grew 7%. We delivered 58 heavy-duty gas turbines with 14 HAs. Services were strong, up mid-single digits led by gas. Profit of roughly $1.4 billion grew by 10%. Importantly, gas achieved double-digit margins this year. Here, lean is enabling higher productivity and growth. For example, our gas repairs team in Mexico created standard work to reduce cycle time and cost, decreasing lead time by 75% and operating hours per unit by 44%. This is helping us deliver faster for our customers. Free cash flow was over $2 billion, up roughly $200 million. Power continues to be a strong, reliable source of cash generation. We're pleased with Power's performance, a strong, growing business, where higher margin services comprise around 80% of the backlog. Now, I'll turn it back to Rahul to discuss guidance. Thanks, Scott. With the spin just around the corner, first quarter will be the last time are reporting combined GE results, including GE Aerospace and GE Vernova. For this first quarter, we expect high single-digit revenue growth driven by GE Aerospace. Adjusted EPS of 60 to 65 cents, more than doubling year over year, driven by profit improvement and the absence of preferred stock dividend, and free cash flow growth in line with net income growth. Our 2024 annual guidance reflects each business operating independently for the full year, incorporating standalone and other impacts that each will incur separately. I'll now hand it over to Scott and Larry to share the overall GE Vernova and GE Aerospace guides, and we will provide further details for both businesses in March. Scott, back to you. Thanks, Rahul. GE Vernova is building momentum expecting substantial profit and free cash flow growth in 2024. We see solid organic growth with revenue between 34 to 35 billion, up low to mid single digits from 2023, and adjusted EBITDA margin at the higher end of the mid single digits range, up from low single digit EBITDA margin in 23. Supporting this outlook is continued price, productivity, and benefits from restructuring efforts. A few highlights. We expect gas power to remain strong with continued services growth and low double-digit margins. Onshore will continue to improve significantly, achieving high single-digit margins on roughly flat revenue from better mix, price, and cost out. Offshore will continue to execute our current backlog with slight year-over-year improvement. Finally, Grid will expand to mid-single-digit margins, primarily from higher volume and price. Our guidance assumes roughly $200 million of standalone and $100 million of other ongoing carve-out costs. When converting from this year's expected operating profit margin for power and renewables combined to adjusted EBITDA margin for GE Vernova, including these costs plus DNA, the difference is roughly half a billion dollars or 1.5 points. On free cash flow, we expect 700 million to 1.1 billion from higher EBITDA and better working capital on a standalone basis, which includes absorbing our portion of the GE pension. Given the multi-decade secular talents and stronger financial trajectory ahead, we are excited to launch GE Vernova and partner with our customers to lead the energy transition forward. With that, back to Larry. At GE Aerospace, we're also excited about 2024. We expect another year of solid revenue growth, up at least low double digits, including mid to high teens growth in commercial, which includes high teens growth in engines, and mid teens growth in services. Mid to high single digit growth for defense and systems, including our propulsion and additive technologies business. On our current reporting basis, the guidance implies 
6.6 to $7.1 billion of operating profit, improving double digits at the midpoint of the range. On a standalone basis, including roughly $600 million of corporate and other standalone costs, this comes to approximately 6 to $6.5 billion of profit and implies flat margins year over year, given the growth in LEAP, initial 9x shipments for the 777X platform, and other growth investments. For free cash flow, we expect to generate over $5 billion, which remains well above 100% conversion, including standalone impacts. Our teams are looking forward to sharing additional insights and detail with you at our March Investor Days. In closing, 2023 was an excellent year. GE Aerospace drove double-digit growth, and GE Vernova delivered substantially better results. Both are on track for continued growth in 2024. While our sights are on the future, we're proud of what we've accomplished. With over $100 billion in debt reduction behind us and $7 billion returned to shareholders in 2023, we remain fully focused, day in and day out, on using Lean to improve how we serve our customers and deliver value for shareholders. Underpinning all of this is the GE team. My sincere thanks to all of you for the important work you did in 2023. I've never been more confident in the path ahead. We've created industry leaders that will carry GE's commitment to innovation and continuous improvement while grounded in vital missions. At GE Aerospace, inventing the future of flight, and at GE Vernova, electrifying and decarbonizing the world. We're ready to go. Steve, over to you. Thanks, Larry. Before we open the line, Liz, I'd ask everyone in the queue to consider your fellow analysts and ask one question so we can get to as many people as possible in the next 20 to 25 minutes. Please open the line. Ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please press star 1-1 on your telephone. If you wish to withdraw your question or your question has already been answered, please press star 1-1 again. Our first question comes from Miles Walton with Wolf Research. Thanks. Good morning. Hey, Miles. Good morning, Miles. I was hoping to, to dig in a little bit on the commercial engines um, high teens growth, and maybe if you could break down a little bit, does it still include about 2,000 leap deliveries? Um, and also, is the spares ratio similar to 23? I, I know you mentioned 23 was similar to 22. Miles, I think from a uh, from a CES or commercial engines and services perspective, we're going to see engines lead the way. Engines will be up high teens plus. I think you're going to see services in the mid-teens area. Specific to your question, from a leap perspective, what we anticipate right now is a 20 to 25% increase in unit growth. Uh, I think we'll see installs get ahead of spares. So that spares ratio will begin to moderate more in line with the, uh, the historic average of a typical life cycle. So that's, that's really where we are with respect to the, the, the narrow body specifics you have there. Our next question comes from a line of Joe Ritchie with Goldman Sachs. Hey guys, good morning. Uh, good morning, it feels Joe. like the end of an era. Yeah, as I said, feels like the end of an era. Way to go out on a good note. Um, so uh, my, my one question is for, for Scott. So Scott, I'm just trying to bridge the, the free cash flow comments, uh, 2023 to 2024. Um, you know, clearly you guys have some, you have some numbers out on the slides, but, but the 2023 numbers look like, uh, it's not apples to apples, right? Like not burdened for corporate. It looks like you're expecting a pretty meaningful pickup in 2024. So maybe just talk to us about the puts and takes, uh, and what's, the, what's, what's embedded in the low and the high end of the guide for 24. You bet, Joe. At the start, I mean, we're proud of the $600 million of free cash flow that we generated with power and renewable segments in 2023. Now, as we get to an apples and apples basis, we need to back out from that reportable free cash flow, $600 million, 
our standalone and carve-out costs of approximately $300 million, in addition to pension and some variables we're working through with taxes that will all be clear in the uh, Form 10 filing in the middle of February. Jumping off of that starting point, we expect to see real EBITDA growth that will drive free cash flow with it from low single-digit EBITDA growth to the high end of the mid-single-digit EBITDA range that we're talking about, in addition to working capital continuing to be a source of cash that drives us up towards that $700 million to $1.1 billion of positive free cash flow at Vernova. Now, the real drivers of the, the variability in that range come down primarily to two things. One is offshore wind execution and how quickly we install the wind turbines in both the Atlantic and the North Sea. Proud of the fact that we've got 14 megawatt wind turbines in both cases connected to the grid today. And really the EDF timing of the transaction close on Steve as the two largest variables for us on that $700 million to $1.1 billion guide. But with a lot of confidence that we go into 24, expecting to see substantial improvement off of 2023. Thank you. Our next question will come from the line of Ken Herbert with RBC Capital Markets. Yeah, hi, good morning. Uh, maybe Larry, for, for the 2024 mid-teens commercial services outlook, can you provide any more granularity on the implied assumptions maybe for spare parts and price compared to other services? And then within that, maybe some comments on how much improvement in the lead turnaround times are embedded in the guide. Ken, good morning. You know, I, I think that what we're anticipating on the services side is, in, in effect, mid-single-digit departure growth really being the foundation. We will see, I think, internal shop visits uh, grow more rapidly than we're likely to see spare parts. We're going to get pricing benefit. We're going to see work scope improvements. And that's really how you ladder up from that departures number to what we would expect to see in terms of mid-teens services growth. Rahul. Yeah, just to, Ken, just to add a couple, couple of dot points as, to, to that response. As Larry said, you know, departures are up 6%. You know, we are entering 2024 with um, you know, some catch-up to do on our shop visits. Um, given the supply chain challenges in 2023, we could not get as many shop visits completed as we would have liked. So as we enter 2024, uh, given the demand outlook, given the increase in traffic, we are expecting our shop visits to be up kind of low double digits to mid-teens. And, you know, adding to what Larry said on, you know, scope and pricing, that pushes our revenue from shop visits kind of towards the, you know, higher end of the teens. And then spares uh, growth kind of moderates, and the spares growth will be below that of the shop visit growth. But you combine all that, you get to that mid-teens uh, services growth that, that we just mentioned. Thank you. Our next question will come from the line of Julian Mitchell with Barclays. Uh, hi, good morning. Um, good morning. Hey, um, just a, a question maybe um, for Scott on the um, the free cash flow again for Vernova. Um, so I just wanted to try and understand, you know, I think working capital is assumed as a, as a source. So maybe help us understand kind of what the orders intake assumption is for Vernova this year. I think it was up 25% the orders in 2023. Um, so just trying to see how much sort of orders growth this year or what kind of working capital inflow from, from orders you're, you're expecting. Um, and on that free cash flow point separately, um, there must be some assumption for sort of interest expense and so forth within that cash guide. Um, so just any, any framing around that, please. Julian, let me just kick it off, uh, and let me start with the second part first, and then I'll hand it to Scott on, on the orders. You know, as we think about the free cash flow guide for Vernova, uh, we'll definitely provide more details as Form 10 comes out, and then we have the investor days. But just keep in mind, as we've previously discussed, uh, vast, vast majority of the GE debt will retain with, with GE Aerospace. So there's not a lot of interest impact on GE Vernova. So that's the way to think about the free cash flow for, for next year. 
uh, more details to come on the capital structure. But Scott, you want to take the order spot? You bet, Rahul. Thank you. And uh, Julian, I think to your point, to begin with, you know, we had a big Sanzia order with onshore wind in the fourth quarter. Across grid, there were a number of large um, uh, HVDC orders with tenant and as, a, as an example. And you can't expect in every year or in any quarter specifically that we're going to see um, those types of transactions. So those we don't expect to see a repeat in 24 versus uh, 23. But with onshore wind, as an example, our largest renewables business, we see our customers actively investing and replenishing their project book right now. I mean, they really um, utilized all the projects they had prior to having clarity on the PTC. And we do think the orders profile in 24, much like the revenue and shipments profile, will be more back-end loaded than first-half loaded in onshore wind. But with very active individual projects, orders are going to be more uh, flattish than, um, than, than up and onshore. On grid, the one point I'd make is, although we aren't going to expect as much in uh, large HVDC orders to the extent we had with tenant in 2023, the reality is even if you back out the HVDC orders in grid, our second largest renewables business, our orders in grid grew by over 20% in 2023. Power transformers, as an example, a business we don't talk about as much, grew orders by 40%. And we expect to continue to see that strength. So there may be less headline orders of the magnitude of a Sanzia or the tenant HVDC projects, but there's a lot of healthy demand across renewables that we expect to continue into 2024 that contributes towards our free cash flow generation continue to be greater than 100%, and that significant free cash flow growth that we just talked about. Thank you. Our next question will come from the line of Sheila Kailu with Jeffries. Good morning, guys. Thank you. Good morning, um, Sheila. Hey, uh, Larry, this one's for you. Uh, maybe if you could just offer your perspective on the quality lapses we've seen across the industry, how does it change your approach in regards to ensuring the integrity of your own supply chains as the industry grapples with the lead challenges, obviously, but you also mentioned initial G9X production in 2024. How does that flow into your assumptions on free cash flow for things like inventory build? Sheila, there's a lot there. I think from a, uh, let's take safety first. Uh, I'm strongly of the view that the industry not to speak for the industry, but having been close to this business for almost two years, everybody understands the uh, the solemn responsibility we have uh, the world over. I think from a GE aerospace perspective, it, as you and I have talked, the, the operating framework, the lean transformation that's been underway here is very much rooted in an SQDC approach, safety first and foremost, before quality, before delivery, before cost. And we not only talk that way, we work hard to make sure we operate that way day in and day out. Fortunately, at GE Aerospace, we have a long history of being hyper-focused on safety. You go back, for example, to I think 2013, our safety management system was really the first of its kind. We were the first OEM to implement such a scheme well before the FAA required uh, the industry to, to do so. And we have been building on that. But that approach never assumes perfection, right? So we layer in all sorts of, of, of checks and audits, process capabilities to make sure that we're doing all that we possibly can uh, to deliver safety, to deliver quality over time. And that, that applies in the commercial realm. It applies on the defense side, legacy platforms, new, new platforms like Leap and, and 9X. And I'd also say that when we talk about our leadership behaviors of, of humility and transparency and focus, that really helps undergird uh, all of that work because if, if – we have an opportunity to improve. If we've missed something, we want folks to come forward, share that with us so we can get after it, get to root cause, and lay in corrective action. So that's really the general approach. From, from a 9X perspective, 
we we do know that that will be a a pressure on us in 2024. We're assuming EIS May of 25 will begin to ship engines in the back half of of 24. It's really the beginning of the life cycle for for that platform. We're thrilled to be underway on the 777X. It's it's an exciting platform, but it will be a a financial headwind for us for the foreseeable future as we ramp not only the volumes, but obviously improve the overall cost structure of that business with an eye toward building the installed base and the service uh, annuities that that will come over time. Yep. Sheila, just to add to that, on the free cash flow part of your question, you know, we've, 9X has been a headwind on free cash flow, even, even in 2023, as we start bringing in inventory to start uh, shipping this year, as Larry said, towards the back half of this year. So it'll continue to impact our free cash flow negatively uh, to, to some extent, but it's not a material driver overall, as you've seen, you know, greater than $5 billion of free cash flow for 2024, including absorption of uh, the corporate pension, the interest expense, uh, so that you, that you saw. So uh, still feel pretty good about the free cash flow for 2024, and the 9x is not a material driver of the free cash flow uh, for for the year. Thank you. Our next question will come from the line of Andrew Oben with Bank of America. Hi, yes. Good morning. Morning, Andrew. Andrew good morning. Yeah, good morning. Uh, just uh, one, one last time for me, for GE, but uh, yeah, question for Rahul. Uh, maybe uh, just uh, if you gave us an overview uh, for the company into the first quarter, uh, but maybe just detail by business uh, for GE into the first quarter, a little bit more color. Uh, thanks. Sure, Andrew. So, you know, if you look at the first quarter guide, um, you know, aerospace is going to start the year strong, revenue up mid-teens with the commercial growth rates in the first quarter kind of in line with what we are projecting for full year. Um, and the margins on a business as usual, you know, kind of pre all the standalone expenses, we do expect uh, margins to be flat to slightly up for the first quarter on a year-over-year basis for aerospace. Uh, for, for renewables, as Scott said, there will be profit improvement during the year. Uh, but that improvement will be more back-end loaded as we start converting the higher margin onshore wind orders that Scott referenced in his prepared remarks. Um, you know, we start shipping those, those orders that we got in 23 into the second half of 2024. So there's a little bit of lag between order to uh, revenue conversion. And so the renewables improvement will be more back-end loaded. The first quarter for renewables will look a lot like the fourth quarter for renewables. So think about, you know, roughly in the same zone. And for power, you know, typical seasonality uh, with low single-digit growth, some margin expansion year over year in the, in the first quarter. But, you know, just one other point I want to make on the first quarter is that given that both Vernova and Aerospace teams are fully staffed up to become standalone public companies, and we are operating with a very, very small corporate staff, um, and the, you know, the historic corporate expense will now be fully absorbed in the two businesses. Uh, and the corporate expense in first quarter will be effectively zero. So majority of that expense going to aerospace you know, and the balance to Vernova. But the way to think about first quarter margins for both companies is just as we think through after absorption of incremental cost and you know, just given in line with the reported margin guidance that we provided for full year. So that's the way to think about uh, the first quarter margins. Thank you. Our next question will come from the line of Seth Seifman with J.P. Morgan. Hey, uh, thanks very much, and good morning. Good morning, Seth. Uh, I, I don't want to uh, kind of, you know, you've just given us the 2024 guidance, so I apologize for uh, for, for jumping ahead here. Um, but when we think about the margin cadence in, in aerospace, you know, apples to apples kind of uh, flattish as we go from uh, 23 uh, to 24. When you think about going to kind of that the the, the 20%ish that, that you talked about uh, for 25, you know, how do we think about the key drivers uh, as, as we uh, you know bridge that? Yeah, sure, Seth. So so listen, let's start with a really strong 23, right? A billion three of profit growth, 90 basis points of margin expansion, and better than what we said back in March, right? When we were expecting five and a half billion dollars of profit, you know, flat margins year over year. So, you know, 
2023 is shaped up a lot better than what we initially expected uh, you know, back in March. Now, as you look forward to 24, I know you kind of skipped over that here, but you know, double-digit profit growth um, in, in 2024, you know, with the OE ramp, 9S introduction, kind of pressuring the, the margin rate, but it is exactly the step that we had thought in our minds on how 2024 would look when we were sitting back in March, right? And we had, we had said, hey, 24 will be a step along the way to 25. Now, as we get to 25, uh, the biggest driver to profit growth between 24 to 25 will be the benefit from top line improvement. And that, that is in line with what we've previously said, you know, pricing that offsets inflation and productivity. But mix will continue to be an issue. You know, Leap OE volume ramps, Leap services ramps, and even though Leap services becomes profitable in 24, it's still a margin headwind, and then 9x volume ramps in 25 as well. So if you think about 25, recall we'd said, you know, 7.5, 7.6 to $8 billion of profit uh, on the current GE reporting, which translates to roughly about 20% margins and layering in about half a billion dollars of standalone public company expenses, EHNS cost, all the other things, we are thinking 7.1 to 7.6 billion dollars of uh, of profit for for 2025, which is in line with what we said, you know, back back in March, just adjusted for the incremental expenses. And we'll come back to that and talk more more in March. Thank you. Our next question will come from the line of Andrew Kaplowitz with Citigroup. Hey, good morning, everyone. Hey, Andy. Hey, Andy. Good morning. Scott, maybe in terms of your 2024 margin expectations for Vernova, could you give us a little more color on the components? I think you mentioned Onshore can reach high single-digit margins with the second-half ramp-up, which would, I think, be meaningfully better performance than your initial expectations you set for the business in 24 last year. So does that assume you get through most of your product reliability issues? And has price versus cost just been a bigger driver than you would have thought? Andy, you bet. I mean, if we go back to our original uh, guide in 24, going back to March, I mean, we're largely in line with the expectations there. But if we take a step back, gas power stronger than our expectations in March. Onshore wind and grid are both stronger. And to your point, we talked today about onshore wind being high single-digit margins in 24 and grid being mid-single-digit margins. Now, gas has already gotten to low double-digit margins and will continue to accrete, but offshore is tougher than where we were in March, and that's challenging a little bit of that strength in our three largest businesses with gas, grid, and onshore representing about 80% of our revenue today, but also taking into account that tough offshore backlog, we've got two more years to execute through that. So when you think about our three largest businesses continuing to be stronger than where we were while we really reduce our offshore backlog from $6 billion to approximately $4 billion and approximately two years to go, we see a clear pathway in 24 to accrete margin, but also then to continue to accrete a margin beyond as we liquidate the rest of the tough economics with offshore in 25, and then find the oxygen to really share with you some of our smaller businesses we don't talk about as much, but you heard Rahul mention earlier the fact that our digital business returned to profitability, and we're really excited about some of those areas like grid software that we'll share more with you when we get to March 6th. So those really are the key dynamics of 23 to 24 and, and looking a little bit further out than even that. Liz, we have time for one last question. This question will come from the line of Scott Deutschley with Deutsche Bank. Hey, good morning. Hey, Scott. Good morning, Scott. Rahul, you touched on it a bit uh, in your answer to Seth's question, but can you give a bit more detail on the flat margins implied for GE Aerospace in 24? And then for Larry, I was hoping you can give an update on your capital allocation priorities for 24, including how share purchases fit in relative to debt pay down. Thank you. Yeah, sure, Scott. So, you know, as you look, as you look forward to 2024, I think it's going to be another strong year, right? Um, We've guided to six and a half, you know, 6.6 to 7. You know, 7.1 billion dollars of profit on a, on a current uh, basis, uh, and then six to six and a half billion dollars on a standalone basis. This is after including, you know, EHNS other public company expenses, um, including about 100 million dollars to, you know, support the wind down of GE corporate office, which will now uh, be with us kind of through second quarter. 
So this implies about a $750 million of profit, profit growth or low double digit at the midpoint of that growth. Um, margins, we do expect that those margins to be flat, about two points of margin pressure that we are expecting. Um, more than half a point of that is coming from Leap, OE ramp, introduction of 9X engines, and the strong Leap services growth. And as I said you know, to, to Seth earlier, even though Leap services is turning profitable, just as we would have expected, it is still negatively impacting the margins. Uh, and the rest of that two-point headwind is coming from incremental you know, R&D to support improve, further improvement in Leap durability, introduction of 9X, and then develop the next generation uh, of products for the future of flight. Um, this margin pressure is completely offset with benefit from volume, productivity, the strong services growth that we are expecting. So overall, um, again, it's, it's a step that it is in line with our expectations that we had laid out for, for the medium term outlook in, in March of uh, 23. Barry? Scott, I don't know if you asked that relative to my GE role or my aerospace role. I suspect the, uh, the latter, but just with the, the GE hat on for a moment, you know, really no change at, at this point. We really want to make sure we see through the spin, as I think both uh, Rahul and Scott talked at the outset, feeling very good about Renova's prospects here to be investment grade, confident in that outlook, and we want to see that through set up both businesses. We will, in early March, in New York, share more at each of the investor days as to how we're thinking about the uh, not only the capital structures, but the capital allocation strategies for both businesses. I think at Aerospace, you, know, you should assume that we're uh, going to have a compelling dividend, that buybacks are going to be an important part of that overall effort beyond just covering dilution. And we'll certainly look to do meaningful value accretive uh, M&A, the mix, the timing, those details uh, to come. I really want the GE Aerospace Board to have uh, more time with those important questions. But we're looking forward to moving beyond deleveraging, playing more offense uh, at aerospace. And I think while Scott's got a different hand to play, uh, they're going to look to continue to uh, certainly invest inorganically in the opportunities that, uh, that, that they have around the energy transition. Thank you. Liz, before we wrap, I want to remind folks that GE Aerospace will report GE's first quarter results in late April, with GE Vernova holding a separate call. As a result, like we did with GE Healthcare, we'll focus our comments in late April on aerospace, leaving GE Vernova commentary to Scott and his team. Larry, any final comments? Steve, thanks. Uh, just to close the call, Again, the teams delivered in 2023, both Aerospace and Vernova. We're really looking forward to what's ahead for both companies as independent entities. Before that day in early April, we hope to see many of you at the Investor Days in March. We appreciate your time today, your investment, and support of GE. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This concludes today's conference. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.